0: This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Carnage Cast, episode number four Escape from Pax East. I'm Tyler, and with me is
0: Sarah.
1: And we are on our way home from Pax East on Sunday morning, enjoying a lovely sunny drive through uh, northern, west, southern, central New Hampshire. Sure. You know that part of very, it. Very specific area. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to find us on the map. So, we were at PAX East just for Saturday, but we spent pretty much the whole day on the convention floor, walking around, playing some games. Sarah, this was your first time uh, seeing PAX East at the Boston Convention Expo Center Rama. It was. How did this compare to when it was at the Heinz?
0: I felt like... This was much more centralized; that you really couldn't see everything. Um, but it it certainly expanded to fit the area. It was just as crowded at the Heinz two years ago. It's just that it was um, more compartmentalized there.
1: It was more compartmentalized at the Heinz? Correct. Okay. And uh, I have I've not actually been in the you so, you're, so you're, whereas uh, the Boston Convention Center was really a big air hangar with sliding walls. Yeah. This was, the Heinz is more like a hotel, a, a vast hotel sort of yes, thing? Yes, exactly. Okay. But the density of people was the same?
0: The density of people was the same, yes. I don't know, I have no idea about the numbers, if they actually increased to come to the Boston Convention Center or not, but it, it felt like it.
1: Yeah, I, I, between the Heinz and 2011, I, I believe the number of people went up. I don't know if it went up between 2011 and it felt more crowded to me than it did last year because all the spaces were bigger. They used, they utilized more of the big central space. Yeah, the, ex- the exhibition area was bigger. The, the tabletop gaming area seemed twice as wide, and it was more full. Like that was something I I noticed all throughout Saturday because we spent a lot of time in the tabletop areas. This place is full all the time now. It's not just you know mid afternoon evening when people are waiting to go to a concert or whatever. It both pick up gaming all day long.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of games being played. It was, it was fun to see. Mm-hmm.
1: One nifty thing that I saw in the exhibition hall, because we really only cruised through there cursorily, cur- was uh, the Geek Chic display. And Geek Chic's been around for a couple years now, and uh, they're, they make custom, high-quality, heirloom-grade, they say, gaming-specific furniture.
0: Yeah, that stuff is amazing.
1: And again, their, their display seems to grow a little bit every year as they develop more models. In the beginning, it was just the big game table with an inset, felt-covered space. Now they've got bookshelves and card storage uh, options, and a nice sort of high-top Euro gamer table, which I thought was impressive.
0: Yeah, I really... Their their products are just really amazing that I... I foresee myself getting one in a couple of years. I'm gonna
1: go to your house more often. Excellent. Are you going to get the uh, the high top?
0: Not, thing? not the high top. I think that style maybe, but in a regular sized table. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, you could you can just use it as a really nice dining table.
1: They're meant to be, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's but there's all these compartments and definitely a um, a bookcase or a, or a bookshelf that is a little more designed with with various sized games in mind yeah. that. I currently, I just gave up on buying space to put my games. They're just stacked in various ways on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, that works for me now, but... <laughs> well, that's
1: been your model for a number of uh, it, homes now, haven't It, it, it? has,
0: too. <laughs> um, but, you know, in a little... In, in a couple of years, maybe I'm going to want that to, to look a little bit different. Yeah,
1: spruce it up a bit. Yeah. And so, then you can, yeah. Ha- you can have your old... Well, you belong on the nice bookcase, you're going on the pile. Right,
0: right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The closet. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I especially like some of the coffee tables they have, where it's a nice broad coffee table, but you've got a flippable felt playing surface and drawers and compartments. and ugh.
0: Yeah, very
1: nice. Yeah, I think that might be a savings account (laughs) And uh, there were more people, there were more vendors and uh, publishers in the tabletop area this year, which I thought was a smart move because last year a lot of them were in the exhibition area, which shuts down at like 6 p.m., right? Right,
0: so they, that shuts down with the ability for people to buy things.
1: Yeah, like Fantasy Flight moved out into the, uh, the the tabletop area, as did Foam Brain Games and other people, other businesses of that variety, and they were not able to, so they were demoing all night long, or at least much later, and they were able to sell stuff, which I think probably helping people's uh, instant gratification needs right or learn the game buy the game
0: yeah There was a lot of deals going on too where if you played it on a demo you got you know 10 to
1: 20% off yep so we uh checked out a game from the library and found coupons in it to buy it at yeah. a discount it was well planned there we go. it was a good move who did that battleground or Ooh, pandemonium uh i
0: think that was battleground but i can't say for game
1: sure game salute that sure. was it yeah. That was another thing, was there were a couple organizations who were there just, seemingly just to demo games. Uh, well, no, they were selling too. but one in particular I hadn't encountered before. is called GameSloot, and they had games, well, I can't really reckon, remember any of the titles, but they were either like party games, or they seemed more strategy, Euro-y, like Core Worlds and Eminent Domain, and I think they might have been the ones showing off Fealty as well. What did, uh, what did you get to try out, Sarah?
0: I, I tried out fealty with you um, to start from the end. Uh, unfortunately we were playing that at about 11 p.m. We were, so we are playing that uh, very late and uh, the rules weren't quite being picked up, I think, at the speed that they would be if I'd started at noon. Yep. Um, but I, I definitely want to play that again. I enjoyed it. Uh, other, other games were uh, the two But you're not supposed to do a lot of communicating
1: really
0: yeah, so there's sort of an element where you have your hand which is supposed to still say secret, but yep. then there's a, a communal board for the two of you where you when you pick up tickets you put one in your hand one on the board Yep. and then You know I can point out a color to my to my team member and say If I use this color or this this card is that gonna bother is that gonna you know, throw off your plans and they can either say yes or no it's it it wasn't as collaborative as i felt maybe a team-based game should be Uh, but i did enjoy both of those i'll probably uh, purchase the india india one at quarterstaff it also thing about the new India board is that it's India on one side and Switzerland on the other. So, um, because I was a holdout for so many years of buying that Switzerland board, mm-hmm. I now get a twofer. So, huh. right.
1: I didn't realize that. I thought it was saying, like, you need the Switzerland set to play this. No, they
0: they bundled it together in the new print.
1: Interesting. That's yeah. good. I choice on that board. Those two countries go together. India and Switzerland. Yeah. Cheese and chicken tikka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I I know you spent a lot of time on that, but before that, we played uh, the Star Trek deck building game. We did. That was uh, that was an odyssey.
0: It was an odyssey, which was unfortunate because I I did really like the game. Um, I it it felt like it was getting off to a quick start. It was easy to pick up the dynamics. It felt a little like Dominion, a little a little different, you know.
1: Did you notice that? the, the values of, well, in, in the game you, you like build up a deck of crew members and maneuvers and setups and I n- noticed that uh, the generic crew members you buy in order to buy other cards yeah. are priced exactly like copper, silver, and gold. Right, game,
0: exactly. Sure. Um, and I, like I said I really enjoyed the way it, it worked but it went on forever. Yeah. We played for two hours so an entire hour of that I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere I was just doing the same thing over and over and over it was
1: a very slow start and honestly I felt like we weren't we were getting as much strategy advice from our demo person as we might have yeah like he was very he, he, he seems to be the style of the player will figure it out as they go right and we did but I, I tend to like a helping hand in the person yeah
0: it also you You felt like it came out to a start, a slow beginning, but I actually felt like we had a faster beginning, that we, um, the way you win is you collect these, um, like, game points, you know, one mission will be worth 50, one will be worth 25. Achieve missions. Yeah, I felt like in the first half hour, you and I had both acquired 150 or 100 points and
1: then for the next hour we didn't get anything. It's true, I, I was describing that to dumb luck. Ah, because,
0: hey, what? that's possible, I yeah. mean,
1: going by the, the missions we saw later on in the game, it seemed entirely like dumb luck we were able to achieve those, last, those first couple. Okay. Because the ones I got all seemed to be about fighting the other players. I'm I'm a theme guy, you know, yeah. I, I I want the theme to make sense. Right. And I didn't care for the fact that we were all Federation starships fighting each other.
0: Right, right. That why really not made no sense. Yeah, why not have one one person be the Klingon Empire, one be the Federation.
1: Yeah. And why am I putting Romulan personnel on my Federation Starship?
0: Right. Yeah. That's a good question. That was a bad choice, Captain. <laughs>
1: uh, no, that card paid off. I was happy with it.
0: No no wonder you had immunity. <laughs> Um, I did. I did enjoy it, though. I think I would. De- I would absolutely, definitely play it again. But I'd probably try and uh, convince the other players to only play to two hundred points instead of four hundred.
1: Yeah. Honestly, even a hundred point game would make yeah, yeah,
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like it should just be a quick, fun game, but it. I don't know. Yep. Yeah.
1: And that demo was run by Battleground Games and Hobbies, which is a game store down in the Massachusetts area. I think they were also doing the Ticket to Ride table. Ah. Uh,
0: yeah. They were definitely ne- almost next to each other. I'm not sure if they were actually related,
1: though. Well, that's that was the neat thing. The, uh, there were all these different uh, demo reps just on these tables at the near the, next to the main walkway, past the tabletop area, so people could see what was going on. There was a really, really interesting looking uh, Lego-based Mecha Miniatures game called Mobile Frame Zero, and it's, it's basically the game tells you how to create your own units out of Lego and, you know, how to use the the units in combat. But, so you get a book, and it's like, if you build this kind of thing, you can, you know, attach these abilities to it, and they're worth this many points, or so I presume I didn't get into the the, the nitty-gritty of the rules. But I thought it was a great way to utilize and repurpose things that either people have left over from their own childhood, or that their own children are enjoying right now. And I saw in particular that the, uh, part of the pitch was, know, kids playing with Legos can pick this up and enjoy it. So it can be a multi-generational kind of game. Right. Uh, and interesting.
0: Mm, what other What other games did you, did you demo
1: or did you play? Tried Ice Dice at the, the Foam Brains uh, booth, which was run seemingly by someone who was kind of tight with the Loonies, because uh, from, from Looney Labs, Andy and Kristen Looney were demoing games. We didn't get to dem- demo with them ice dice, which is based on the whole, the ice house pieces, and rolling dice and collecting sets. And I think you walloped us at that.
0: Uh, yes, but I don't, that was, that's sort of a, another example of a fun, um, a fun game that there's not really any strategy besides collect a couple pieces of return and hope for the best. Yeah. You know, that you, it's one of those games where you, roll the dice a number of times and you collect them and you it's either all or nothing you you declare I'm gonna keep these three pieces and um, move on to the next turn or you keep rolling and keep rolling until um, you get a duplicate and then it and then it wipes yeah you lose everything
1: it's the push your luck game
0: yeah Um, and so you know I just felt I think I was just making sensible decisions where my number seemed to be three if I acquired three things
1: pieces you're at goats, oxen, or chupacabra, and depending on who's who's got the dealer button, that's when you start going around and comparing, like, well, I've got three chupacabras, so I can take this many dice out of, I can take this many animals from other people's dice pools. like two chupacabras got to take down an ox, one chupacabra can take two chickens, and it's one chupacabra per goat, and so you look at, your, if I've got three, you're trying to figure out where can you maximize your spent expenditure of, chupacabras to eat animals, and basically whoever's got all the dice at the end of this wins. I see. Yeah. It was, uh, it was amusing, and I I thought it was interesting in that there's a little more, actually it's hard to say, I can't say if there's more or less decision making than zombie dice. Since zombie dice, your decision is, do I keep rolling? I see. Might actually be less. Interesting. So, uh... I did not catch the name on the on the people publishing that, but they were part of the Steve Jackson booth, were seemingly not, they were in Steve Jackson's booth, but not part of the company, because they're from Springfield, Mass., they told me. I see. And at Steve Jackson, I got to try Castellan, which is their new sort of castle building area claiming game. You have these neat little castle, plastic castle walls that lock together with towers, and every time you create a courtyard, you place a keep in the courtyard it goes on in that fashion and then you score your courtyards based on how many towers surround it. It encourages you to get creative with how you build the courtyards and sort of jockey against your opponent claiming your courtyards. You know, if you've got a courtyard halfway done and they can finish it, they've suddenly got all your work.
0: Right, so a little bit like uh, Carcassonne in in that area.
1: Yep. There's no opportunity to share a courtyard. Or a bailey. I suppose it would be a bailey, because you've got a keep in the middle. Anyways.
0: How to use your terminology correctly.
1: It's true. And something I didn't get to try, but I thought was really interesting, was games on demand. This is a, a role-playing thing that's been going on at Orange and Gen Con, and now is coming to PAX, so possibly the first two that I'm aware of, where they had a table, they had a stable of GMs, and those GMs were all, you know, sort of like, I can run this and this and this. And you find a group of players, come to the table, say, we want to play this. At this time, do you have anyone? Or, you know, you have your usual scheduling negotiation. And then you get a GM to run a game for you. And I thought that was pretty neat.
0: How is that different than, than the way we'll play games usually to work?
1: Well, in what context? In a carnage context or a PAX context?
0: Running an RPG, you design. You, I guess you're saying you have one game. When you're running an RPG, you design the game, Yep. and you have it with lots of people sit down. Yep. So this is is more. It's a little they more can
1: fluid. do more
0: bunch.
1: It's yeah. It's there's, there's, there's choice and it's fluid. Because okay. I think of what, what I do at Carnage, where right? I write an adventure. It's for a certain system and a certain premise. It, I think of that is the build it and they model. I have built this thing, and hopefully people will show up to play it. And this game's on-demand model was more on the level of we have multiple things that are built, and perhaps someone will come. But when they when they do come, they get to choose, and it really depends on can we make scheduling work and is there a GM available? Okay. And there's a little more organization required on the players' part. One person, uh, if one person shows up and says, "Hey, I want to play something," they're really dependent on a group lesson, okay. Whereas that games on-demand encourages you to bring multiple players that make more sense? Sort
0: of. I, I guess it doesn't. It just sounds sort of pretty similar to
1: me. I, um, think it's, I think it's less structured. Okay. That's the key point. Okay. Because, well, with the schedule grid, you're like, you gotta show up at this time, to find this person. With games on demand, it's more food where, well, we've got this guy at this time, we've got this other person at this time, and so on. Okay. It's uh, kind of the, the, uh, the small press, not 800 pound gorilla equivalent of the, what Dungeons and Dragons was doing at the convention. They just had like 40 round tables and a marshalling area where people would hang out and wait for a GM to become free and they would take those people off four at a time or whatever. Yeah. I
0: wonder how they chose the, the GMs for that If since it was sort of official. Are they stars in the GM, GMing community? Are they getting paid for that?
1: I believe they are... Uh, RPGA GMs, so the Role Playing Game Association, which sort of has an accreditation certification test that you take to be able to run games and rank. Um uh, don't know what the compensation is. I imagine there was a badge involved, maybe a party. Yeah. Probably product. That's a common compensation right. package. Huh. Um, I think
0: that's sort of all the new games that I To play sometime is Poseidon. That looked fun.
1: You fun. saw that at the Z Man, booth? Okay. Yep,
0: at the Z Man both. Um, but I, I mean, I didn't even get to look at the pieces. I was just looking at the box.
1: Yeah, Z Man didn't have a, a demo presence. As well.
0: There were there were some talks on Saturday, but they weren't quite as interesting, and it just didn't it didn't really work out. Um, and then there you know there was one at night about bringing the next generation of geeks up, sort of parenting and geekdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were in the midst of trying to figure out what to eat by then, so.
1: You gotta have your priorities in order. Priorities, it's all about that. Yeah, I did not make an uh, a podcasting meetup. I hope to make. Uh, it was. Uh combination of uh, no low indicators and poor network access as people were confirming their presence in a lobby. Yeah. And uh, nobody was waving a microphone around, so <laughs> I thought about just wandering up and down the hall holding up my microphone, but I'm I, I do not like to attract that much attention to myself. <laughs> didn't get to do any roleplay, which I was sad about. There was uh I didn't I couldn't take advantage of the games on demand a lot of the stuff Pandemonium was demoing, I just never, my schedule never aligned with theirs. Oh well, yep. next year. Maybe. Or Carnage. Yeah, always <laughs> Carnage. Some year I will game at Carnage again, it's been a while. Alright, so PAX was really impressive this year, the show's grown, the tabletop area was grown and basically packed all day long. Uh, there was this constant low roar of people playing games. Kind of amazing, especially when you compare it to the noise from the exhibition hall next door. Definitely. Yep. This is the second year I've gone, and I'm learning again. You really need to go in and be targeted about what you're going to see and where you're going to go and who you want to run into. And by run into, I mean make firm plans and don't <laughs> rely on the convention center's wireless to keep your Twitter updated. <laughs> <laughs> really, I. They say it's really. They say it's the networking age. But uh, only if you're on a 3G network, friend.
0: Yeah, I thought it was an issue.
1: So, Sarah, this is, your, this is your year back after a year off. Would you go again? What have what you taken away from the past 2012?
0: I enjoyed it. I, I would go again. Um, I probably would, I don't foresee myself ever getting a three day pass. Um, that a day seems to be plenty for me.
1: That in, we, I saw a Cookie Brigade that had organized on the forum. I, they were taking, giving away cookies in exchange for donations to a charity or something like that. And uh, so there is that community aspect to it, but we don't we don't participate in the penny in the penny arcade forums. Right. So we missed out on it. Right. And honestly, that's a that's a hard forum to get into because it's so active and interconnected. Right. It's like, how do I enter this community? Yeah. But that's not on them. That's on us. Yeah um and one thing though is there are we had a, I had a couple moments of you're a random stranger but we're being friendly and sociable and that's awesome because it was just that yeah. open friendliness of yes. Yeah. we were someone was just going bat in the elevator it's like don't go it's only Sunday
0: yeah <laughs> that was funny <laughs> um <laughs>
1: that may be an ele- uh, a common phenomenon to any convention with a long elevator ride yes yes <laughs> all right so that was PAX 2012 for us it wasn't the three-day extravaganza some people immerse themselves in but I was glad to go back and see how things are grown meet up with some people just through the synchronicity of crowds you may not it's easy to go without recognizing anybody but somehow we lucked out and kept running into pe- a couple people we knew. yeah definitely And, uh, already planning about how to do it next year, so I guess that means I do want to go back.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe I'll be living in Boston by then, and that'll be an easier commute.
1: (laughs) You might spend more time on the tea.
0: Well, that's true. And I, I do, I do love the tea dearly.
1: So instead of a car cast, we'll have to do a train cast? Yes. Alright. Everyone will just think we're crazy. Alright, so thank you. You're welcome. And this has been Carnage Cast, Episode 4 Escape from Tax East.
0: Drive faster!
1: <laughs> They're gating!
0: You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com.